Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Geconia, east of the Albino Hills and south of the raging Lucistic River, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, citizens of Gecko Nation. Today is November 9th, 2014, and it is great to be back on the air again. Uh, and, of course, I am here with my co-host, Mr. Tim Walton. Tim, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you, Dave? Doing good. Um, folks, as you know, uh, tonight we had regularly our regularly scheduled show is with Anastasia Harrelson of Netbug. Unfortunately, Anastasia had some family matters to that just came up yesterday that are kind of affecting um, her doing the show tonight. Nothing too crazy. She's okay, of course. But um, we're going to reschedule her show uh, probably for another couple weeks. So she's definitely going to come on. It's just a matter of when, okay, because um, her schedule is kind of busy in the relatively near future. So I just wanted to let you guys know about that. But Tim and I did some talking, and we're going we're gonna to put together a show for you tonight. I'm not sure if we're going to go the whole two hours. We'll see. But uh, we're going we're gonna to stay on the air. Um, also want to let everybody know that in Gecko Nation Marketplace, the auction is live, uh, the auction for Christina's uh, Pet Sanctuary. Okay, if you guys remember, we had Christina on a, couple, a few months back. She runs a legitimate animal rescue sanctuary here in Pennsylvania. Uh, very, very nice uh uh, operation she's got going on. She takes in alligators, snakes, turtles, furry animals, all kinds of stuff. Um, she's, you know, something like that costs a lot of money to run. So what I want to do is at least once a year I'd like to do a little fundraiser for her. And uh, so what we put together was a auction in the Gecko Nation Marketplace group. Uh, some of the uh, some of the great, some of the best breeders uh, donated some animals. John Scarborough, Gecko Boa Reptiles, Marsha McGinnis, uh, MS2 Enterprises, Gecko Babies, Jessica uh, Smith, um, Airway Geckos, uh, FTG Morphs, uh, a few, uh, a lot of beautiful animals. I put a few up too. Uh, if I forgot anybody, I apologize. There's a lot. I think there's like 16 different auctions. Okay, and you know, I know a lot of people are a little undecided about how they feel about auctions, but this is for, this is for a charity. This is for a good cause. Okay. So check them out. If you're not a member of Gecko Nation Marketplace, uh, apply for membership and I'll let you in. In fact, I'm keeping an eye on that as we uh, do the show anyway. So uh, and the, the auctions are doing pretty good. Um, as you guys know, we're, we've are we kind of decided to move away from doing the news segment. We're going to be, give, uh, you know, Steve's going to be focusing more on doing the audio and video stuff for the show, which is his, his which is what he's, I mean, he's great at the news, but he's just awesome. It's his forte. Yeah, yeah. His forte is doing the audio and visual stuff. So he's going to be working on cool stuff for us. Um, But, you know, when important things come up, we will certainly have him come on and tell us about them. You know, if there's U.S. ARC updates or anything, you know, really serious that you guys need to know about, um, he'll he'll be popping in every once in a while. So, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, pretty much it. Now, uh, before we go further into the show, I just want to let everybody know that Gecko Nation Radio, of course, would not be possible 
without its amazing sponsors. We uh, we love our sponsors, everyone. Our sponsors keep us going, and uh, we're proud to have them. So uh, go ahead and check them out real quick, and we'll be right back. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration. Daryl and Kate Burton specialize in the best supertangelos, pastel raptors, white and yellows, and really nice wild types. Follow them on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos and on their new website coming soon. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. That's right, folks, and uh, use the code GECKO, all in caps, with AB Dragons, and you're going to get a standard 5% off uh, credit off of any of your orders. Okay. All right, uh, so, Tim, what's uh, what's new, man? What have you been up to? Uh, I literally walked in, from, walked in my house uh, getting home from work about... 10 minutes ago, so uh, just trying to uh, get settled in, get my computer started up, and uh, get ready for the show. How about you? Um, yeah, well, to me, it was more just, you know, cleaning gecko tubs and everything today, and cleaning just getting poop? away from that. Cleaning poop, you know how it is. The, the life of a professional reptile breeder. You know, let me tell you, a lot of people really don't get I mean, they get it. The people that really love reptiles get it. But when you're working with all these different genes, it it really is genetic art. It It is like you're an artist at what you're doing. And your art, it's not like you can just pick up a paintbrush and do a painting like Bob Ross used to do in an hour or so. I mean, your art takes years to develop. And uh, I I think a lot of us appreciate it, you know, those of us that really are into it. 
But I think, for the most part, a lot of people don't appreciate all that's gone into, you know, getting these morphs where they are all these years. What do you think? Uh, I completely agree. And um, if uh, if anybody wants to go and learn more about, you know, some of the beginnings of uh, some of these, Morphs, I recommend that they go to geckoforums.net. Wow, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you that very important question. Oh, but I thought you forgot. forgot. <laughs> no, I didn't forget. I was working up to it. I was building building up to it, but that's cool. Oh, we got the chat room showing up. Uh, let's see, who do we have? We have Alan Thomas. We have Brooke Pulaski, Elsa Borzoi, Rachel Gratis, Sean Maloney, and Mr. Steve Barker. What's up, folks? Um, tonight we're going to also open up the phone lines for you guys. Uh, we we really are kind of just winging it tonight. We're going to talk about whatever and just see where we go because our guest isn't with us. Uh, the call-in number is 646-478-5331. So you guys can feel free to call in, ask us questions, comments, whatever. Give us a, a topic of discussion if you'd like. Is there anything you guys uh, would like us uh, to touch on? Uh, just let us know. Um so, you know, a lot of people don't even know too much about you, Tim, because we've never really interviewed, interviewed you as a guest. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living, and, uh, you know, so people have a little bit more uh, info on you. All right. Well, um, I've been uh, keeping leopard geckos uh, for, um, let's see, 20... 22 years or 23 years. Um, I got my first one when I was about 12 years old, and I have always kept geckos ever since then. There's never been a time in my life where I didn't have leopard geckos, and it's just grown and grown as I've gotten older, and and uh, it's you know expanded. I've I've had times where I you know had more of the the rare species and. You know, the last few years, I kind of got back into leopard geckos and and got into some of the morphs a little bit more. Um, I am a fireman in New York City, um, and uh, I have a two and a half year old son, and uh, and his mother and I live together. We live in uh, Carmel, New York, which is about an hour north of New York City, and um, I try to juggle. Uh, being a dad and working and having tons of reptiles and uh so I know how you feel when it's uh you know when when your colony gets to a certain size and your and your pets and your your hobby gets to a certain size there's always something that's hungry and needs to be cleaned right they have <laughs> always <laughs> something there's there's you yes. never you never get home and say oh Everything's cleaned, everything's fed. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to watch a football game or do this with my son or do that. So it's a constant uh, for me and, and my life lately. It's it's a constant uh, juggling act of uh, trying to distribute my time wisely. You left out one important uh, factoid about yourself, and that is that you drive a Prius. I do. I, I love my Prius. And uh, if anybody uh, listening, I just saw a post from another uh, uh, reptile guy who's uh, who's on 
you know, who some of you may recognize from YouTube or from uh, Facebook, Steve Tillis. And uh, I didn't even read the whole post, but I saw that he, he uh, recently switched over to a Prius, and he loves it too. How good is it on gas? Is it really good? 50 miles per gallon. Wow. I think I I drove I drove from uh I took it to Tinley um last year. Excuse me, uh 2 years ago and I figured out that it it cost me about 65 bucks in gas each way to go from New York to Chicago. Wow, that is cheap. That's not bad at all. That's cheaper than an airline ticket, I think. Yeah, and I took the whole family. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah. I I have a Ford Escape and it's definitely not as not that good on gas. Is she still limping yeah. around? You uh you get her patched up or what? <laughs> it's 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 a struggle. Yeah, I like fixing cars and I'm trying to fix my own. And uh, yeah, it's not that easy. The, everything is very the compartment, the engine compartment is so tight where you know there's like no clearance. You have to buy all these special tools just to get it stuff and. You know, it's a bit of a headache, but I like the challenge and I like learning. I like knowing that I can fix my own cars and, and all, I like doing all, things myself, you know. All new cars are like that. I know, I know. It's very <laughs> efficient space-wise, but it's hard to work on. But you know what? I've been working on all my cars all my life. I've been building all my racks all my life. I've been, you know, doing everything my own, you know, on my own and, it's not only saved me a lot of money, but it's given me valuable skills that, you know, a lot of other folks just don't have. And, you know, to be able to build a, a rack in an afternoon, you know, for a hundred bucks, as opposed to buying one for 600, you know, that's, that's, that's good when you can do that, you know? Um, so yeah, I wish, I wish I had the time to, uh, to build racks and, uh, and tinker around with stuff. But, uh, my time is very limited. I guess uh, one thing I also uh, didn't mention uh, earlier is um, I've I've also uh, worked for uh, several different professional breeders and reptile breeding businesses. Um, if uh, if people listen to the show, they know um, recently we had Mike Lehman on, and and uh, I worked for the Gourmet Rodent um, in the past when I, I lived in Florida for for a few years, and I also worked for Eugene Bissett and Cindy Bissett of Ophiological Services, um, who was actually the first professional reptile breeder. So uh, really? I think that's something very interesting. And um, and then I also worked for Bob Guerriere of Ancient Reproductions, um, who's another uh, snake breeder down in Florida. Oh, I didn't know about that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I was I, I was actually thinking about um, trying to get uh, Eugene and/or Cindy to come on and uh, and do an episode, but uh, I have not uh, been in touch with them about it yet. Do you think it's like a requirement for folks that you know want to get involved in this as a business that they at least try to work in a pet store or work around animals or work for a breeder if, if that opportunity arises? Do you think it's it's valuable to do that? Um, what I think is more valuable is to actually, cause, cause we all kind of get to a point if, you know, it seems like nowadays most people, you know, if, if they're thinking about doing this professionally or even, uh, just part, you know, kind of part time and having a, a reptile breeding business, not necessarily dedicating, you know, 
quitting their jobs and doing it full-time, but just doing it part-time. I think people should really um, kind of uh, network and go and visit some other breeders and, and get, you know, get a feel for, for what it's like. You know, not necessarily that you have to work for them, but just to uh, to kind of see how other people do it because we kind of get locked in, you know, with the way that we do our own things and to go kind of experience a couple different breeders uh, keeping methods and husbandry methods and, you know, room setups, I think is a very valuable tool. Um, Ben Morell of Australian Addiction that we had on recently, um, they, they've yeah. certainly done that. And if you go check out their website, australianaddiction.com, um, they actually have a section of their website where they have pictures from other people's breeding facilities. And I think that's a, a really valuable tool, um, especially now with the Internet and, you know, getting to know, you know, so many people from all over the country or all over the world. Um, I think it's a, a very valuable thing to be able to go check out, you know, the way they, they do it. I know. I'm actually thinking about getting an apprentice here, somebody to help me. It's getting to the point, uh, my operation where, um, it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm getting everything done, but you know, it, it, I'm at the point where I could benefit from some help and give me, you know, free up some, some of my energy so I can devote it in other areas. I mean, right now I got to prioritize so much because of, you know, just all the different things I'm taking on. And uh, just, just for instance, like finding the time to uh, organize this auction was difficult for me. And, you know, the, and I got it done. Yeah. But, you know, it's just on top of everything else I'm doing, it's like time management becomes like really important. And I never really understood how valuable my time was until I didn't have any. <laughs> and, um, when they say time is money, it really is. I mean, you know, so I don't know. I'm going to see if I can. And that's the other thing, though. But who do you trust? Like, like that's my biggest problem. Like, I want to bring somebody in to help. But it's like, all right, well, then that takes me up to the next level. Now, do I got to worry about, um, God forbid, if somebody gets hurt while they're here? Or, you know, so what if somebody steals things? What if somebody, you know, mixes up my genetics somehow? I mean... When you don't have, you know, when your hands aren't in it, and you're trusting others to do it the way you do it, it never, they'll never do it the way you do it, and that's the, that's like the biggest thing for a lot of us. And I know Matt and I have talked about it too. And you know, as as our collections grow, we kind of become literally like mad scientists because we our brains do remember all the genetics that we're working with. And we know what each one of these thousand, we have a thousand plus geckos. We know what's in each one of these geckos when we look at it. We really do. Our brains remember all this stuff. Uh, we have little notes on our tubs and stuff, but it starts getting, uh, you know, to the point where you need help, but you don't know how to trust somebody to do it right. Do you have any advice for me, Tim, on that? It's, um, you know, in, in terms of uh, your, what you're talking about, in terms of, um, you know, trusting somebody and and uh it is very difficult because you have your facility in your house so you're you're you know bringing someone you know into your home so that's difficult but in in terms of uh um having someone help you out you kind of 
you know, from what we've discussed, it, in in my opinion, it's it's something that you have to do. Um, and if and if you do it, and say, for instance, uh, you know, someone that you trust comes in and, and steals a couple geckos, you know, yes, it, it's horrible and everything else, but it's kind of like nothing ventured, nothing lost. You know, you, you kind of have to go about it intelligently. See if you can get somebody that is a friend of a friend that is you know, that somebody could rec- recommend and um, someone that you could trust and uh, and hopefully, you know, it, it works out for the best. Um, you know, you kind of give them, you know, give them not too much space in the beginning, you know, keep keep an eye on them. And, and as the relationship grows and hopefully the, the bond and, and trust grows, you, you kind of entrust them with a little more and a little more and uh and you take it from there um obviously you're not looking to bring on a a full-time person to to be wor- doing 40 hours a week for you but um no like once one day a week i think would be good yeah exactly to start off with and if it goes well you know you can increase it and if it doesn't go well you could say sayonara um yeah for you know that that's actually you know the the gourmet rodent um when i worked for them it, it's and and still, from what I understand it is today, is, you know, they always have openings pretty much for for trustworthy employees, you know, and they, you know, you don't start off making uh, 30 bucks an hour, but, um, you know, you start off at the bottom, and if uh, you put your time in and you, and you work well, you can work your way up, and, um, you know, all their managers, uh, except for Mike, were, you know, hired from in-house um when i worked for for ophiological services um they had kind of like one manager kind of like one full-time guy and um and then you know maybe four to to five other part-time employees and um and they actually had a uh the way he did it which i wasn't happy about at the time was um you kind of worked for free for a while to kind of prove that you wanted to work there and and uh and you had the dedication to uh to keep coming back and and all that stuff and um before you actually started getting paid um and then uh when I worked for Bob at Ancient Reproductions um I was recommended through a mutual friend and um you know and and he was the same as you where he was breeding in his own house so he was entrusting me you know with his entire house and and after working for him for for you know several months he actually trusted me enough where i had the the security alarm combination to to go and work while he wasn't even home um but you know that grew wait, over wait, time but oh, wait a second so you mean you worked for free and you had a problem with not getting paid <laughs> yep. For not the whole time obviously, but um you know when when you're you're a struggling uh college age kid, you're uh you know and you and you go work, work part-time, there aren't many jobs that uh start you off at 0 dollars per hour. But um <laughs> but yeah, I guess uh you know, I, I guess it, if if you're a, a college kid and you're interning, that's a different story, but I wasn't getting any uh credits for for cleaning poop at the time. 
Um, it was it, it? at the time I, I I wasn't happy about it, but I I knew I wanted to work with the animals, and if that's what it took to work with the animals, I was willing to do it. Um, <laughs> at the time, and I was I was uh, eighteen or nineteen years old. Um, my parents didn't support me in that. Um, they they disagreed. They said you're crazy, um, but I went ahead and, and did it anyway. And uh, it turned out being a very, very valuable experience. That's actually how I got um, my kind of my my time with uh, working for Eugene is kind of how I got um, in with Vin Russo. I was uh, uh, got friendly with uh, John Heiser, who's uh, a, a member of the Long Island Herb Society um, on the board with the Long Island Herb Society, and he's always been a gecko guy. And um, so I would always talk to him at the shows, and I had met Vin Russo, who was, uh, you know, his good friend, who was always had the the booth next to John, and, uh, you know, I would always talk to him, and then I heard Vin Russo on Reptile Radio mention that he was friendly with Eugene. So then I started talking to Vin and said, hey, you know, Vin, I, uh, you know, I used to work for Eugene. So then that, that sparked our relationship, and um, and Vin actually has had a couple um break-ins where he's had he's lost you know valuable animals that uh, um you know he's had them stolen um he has you know he maybe has one or two employees at a time he's his you know facility is basically you know run by himself and and one or two other people and um he actually uh moved his facility a, a couple times and and the current location you know, I was one. I'm one of only a handful of people that have ever been there, because he trusts me. Um, you know, because of uh, my previous, you know, relationship and and work with Eugene. Uh, I guess is part of it. And um, you know, I've, I've kind of grown, and and I I feel it's a very valuable thing. You know, um, I'm sure everyone that listens to the show has, has heard Ron Tremper talk about. You know, your re- reputation is everything in this hobby and business. Yeah. And, and to uh to build it is not easy and um to repair it if you make a mistake is almost impossible so um i i'm i'm honored that a guy like vin you know would would have me to his facility and and it's funny to hear other people talk about how they'd love to see his place and he's kind of like no sorry i don't i don't let visitors in there and um I'm very well, I get asked that. all the time too. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, you don't know who you're letting in the house. You like you could let an innocent person in, but then they could tell their buddy, "Oh my God, I scoped out Dave's joint," and you know, well, I got cameras and stuff everywhere. I, I even booby trap stuff, so watch out, folks. You're going <laughs> to come into my place. <laughs> but uh, you're going to get electrocuted. I'm not saying, but it, there's there are definitely I hope some you... tricks. I hope if if you have uh if you have some prospective uh employee come over that you disable uh all booby traps. Oh yes. I will. <laughs> That's <laughs> in terms of a liability, I think that would be your number one uh worry right there, Dave. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. We got a call we got a caller on the line, Tim. Uh let's see, caller from the nine seven eight area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey Dave. Hey, who's this? Can you hear me? This yeah. is uh, this is your Facebook buddy Chad. Hey Chad, what's Give up? Him. Chad's the guy who comes up with yeah. all these great show ideas. 
How's it going? Yeah, I give you a lot of show ideas. Now, yeah, um, what's me, up? Now, um, I'm saying you need like a lot of help on like expanding your business and stuff. Maybe you should uh, have a show with people that have em- employees, like uh, Brian from like BHB or something, and they could help good, you. Maybe that's a good point. I, we had Brian on a while back, but all we talked about was animal bites. But you know, I don't. I mean, yeah. yeah you know, Steve Sykes uh, talked a little bit about that on his episode, and yeah, that's that's a good idea. I mean, to have somebody that's already been through that. I think somebody that's like that's just going through that whole thing would be perfect for for an episode because they're like experiencing that next level right now. Yeah. And yeah, because yeah, Brian he has like a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. He has like just a couple. I know. But yeah, I, I mean, a... go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just saying something like Brian or somebody else that has like a nice facility with like maybe a couple employees, maybe five or so, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely something I should, we should do, Tim. Um, you know, how to build, how to build, we should do a show, how to build a, a business from, you know, taking it from your house to that next level. And, uh, you know, Matt's, Matt's basically at that point, you know, he's, he's on a, in his own facility. Um, well, when you have to worry yeah, about he, employees, it becomes a different ball game, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Just as as you mentioned, Dave, you know, it's it's the the liability is, is something to worry about. The um, you know, but at the same time, also you're working with geckos. When I when I worked for Eugene, he he was mostly working with um, Burmese pythons at the time. So uh, it's interesting to uh, let you know, kind of uh, inexperienced herpers into your house to. Uh, to let them work with uh, 15 plus foot Burmese pythons than it is uh, with leopard geckos. <laughs> That's true, but you never know what could happen. To it. There's, you know, Murphy's law suggests that anything that can happen will happen, so you never know. Oh yeah, but, uh, hey, Chad, and, and they certainly do. <laughs> Chad, what do you? Uh, why don't you give out? Uh, you have anything you want to promote? I mean, you do. You definitely. Uh, Giving me a lot of ideas. By the way, folks, Chad messages yeah, I, me on Facebook and gives me great ideas for the show. So if you'd like to promote yeah, that while you're on the air, go ahead. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, um, it was nice to see all the different variety of uh, the Halloween masks when we uh, did when I did that post. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing I gotta say that's pretty, pretty amazing is. Uh, how uh, Brian from BHB keeps on track of uh, all of his different genetics and stuff because he has a lot of different morphs for snakes. How does he do it? Oh, I have no idea, but he has, he has a voice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's hard. We, we, you know, it, it's I think funny, he you know, said we, something. Yeah, I think he remember. mentioned something like 30,000 adult breeder snakes or something. That's crazy. Wow. But I do yeah. I, I do have a question about geckos. Sure. Now, I've heard of now I was on the JMG reptile website mm-hmm. and I've heard of snows. Now what's this codon snows? That's that just their have? way of they, they don't like this. I, I don't think they like using the term max snow. 
so they ah. they call the Max yeah they call the Max Snow Codom Snow and and technically it's not even really a Codom it's, it's technically it's an incomplete dominant trait and uh, but I call actually it Dave yeah plane. we I think that was something that we kind of uh, we might have missed a little bit when uh, when we had Ben on but yeah there's no such right. thing in with genetics there's no such thing as Codom that's a totally Herper uh, only used uh, term. Uh, snake breeders use that, it. Yes, but it's it's, yeah. it's you'll only hear it from herpers and uh, you know biologists and everything. People that study genetics, there's no such thing as co-dominant. It's the correct term is incomplete dominant. Sorry, Dave. I just right. wanted to to no, mention that's, that. That's Go good. ahead. I think we should start a movement to try to get these things right, because if we start talking like this in front of real biologists, real geneticists, they're going to think we're crazier from another planet. I think we should they'll, gradually they'll, yeah. change They'll just the say, they'll say they'll, there's no such thing, you know, that that's all, that, that's what their answer will be. I don't know, they'll say, I don't know what, in, what co-dominant means, but, you know, <laughs> we have, we have incomplete dominant. <laughs> but go ahead with, with your answer, Dave. Um. I lost my train of thought, but I, you know. And then there's a line-bred yeah. snow as well, which is, right, Dave? Well, yeah, we have the gem snow, the max snow, the line-bred snow, and the tug snow. And I don't know. My favorite is the gem snow. I, I like the fact that you can refine the snows and make them look better without producing a bunch of supers. I mean, I, I work with the max snows, too. I mean, it's cool. Super snows are cool, but... You know, you, if you make a super snow or something, it overwhelms the genetics of everything else. And, you know, all you have is a super snow. I mean, you really can't see anything else in it. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's basically what you guys like. But uh, is there anything else Dave, you want to mention, Chad? We've got another Dave, caller on the line. Dave, just to clarify, the, uh, uh, the, the max snow is incomplete dominant, correct? Correct, incomplete. And the, the, the tug snow, what's what's that one? That's dominant, and gem's dominant, and linebred snow is linebred. So it's a technically a polygenic trait, correct? Uh, what, what, the linebred snow? Yes. No, supposedly it was literally linebred. It was uh, how they, you know, started reducing yellow in them by uh, selective breeding. You know, breeding the guts yeah, so that's less yellow. That's polygenic, just like... Just like bandits or, yeah, or well, tangerines, they're polygenic. They selectively bred for the, you know, with tangerines for the most orange ones, with with bandits yeah. for the boldest ones. I, all right. Well, I'm I'm not exactly sure, but you know, I don't know about that. Rachel, Rachel, you're right too. Rachel in the group is saying that Matt's uh, saying that there could be could be a dominant to the Weinbrits. Now, I haven't seen it in my work with here with them here. Um, it just seems to be line bread, but there could be, you know, somebody could have mixed in uh, incomplete dominant in there too uh, along the way. It, it could be, but I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, but go ahead, Chad. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before I take the next caller? Oh yeah yeah yeah. And anybody that uh, watched my uh, video on a uh, one way to handle a leopard gecko and was trying to guess the morph. It's actually a uh, black pearl crossed to a uh, charcoal. Okay, and give out your uh, your channel for people so they can find you. 
Um, actually, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I can. Uh, I'll give it to you, and you can post it. Okay, or just you can put it in the chat room too if you're in there. Whatever yeah. you want to do. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks all a right, lot. Thanks, Dad. guys. I appreciate all your help. All right. Yep. Thanks. Bye. All right. Caller from uh, let's see. Caller from the five one six area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey guys, it's me, Vin Russo. Vin, uh, Vin, incredible timing. We were just talking about you. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, we were actually talking about um, what it takes uh, when when you become a pre- professional breeder and and you need uh, some assistance uh, and some you know part time employees and and kind of what's what it's like to to make that jump uh, from doing everything yourself to entrusting another person uh, to, to come into your facility and, and work with your animals. Yeah, that's Well, I don't. I do everything myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's difficult to trust anybody. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, you know, I, I have one, one worker that works for me, and um, it's, um, you know, a good friend's son, so I've known him since he's a kid, and and um, I've had them on board for a long time, so you know it's it's tough to just select somebody to work for you. But obviously, the bigger I get, the more people I'm going to need eventually. So um, I'm just going to have to, you know, trust somebody eventually. But I, I'd rather keep it to the point where it's just people that I trust and know. And you know, like over the summer, I had my nephew work for me. And, you know, he's a obviously he's my nephew, so I trust him, but. It's tough in our business because somebody can just come work for you, put something in their pocket, and leave, and they can take a thousand bucks from you. You know, so yeah. It's it's real tough to trust somebody, and you know, people. You know, if I do hire people, they'd have to go through a pretty strict, um, you know, protocol as to figuring out whether or not they're trustworthy. It's it's tough. It's a good question. I don't I don't know how people do it, but I mean, hey, I know ben, Mike Lehman. I was explaining how I uh, I booby trap my facility because I'm afraid of theft and stuff. But um, Tim mentioned that you've you've had people steal from you. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, I've I've definitely had people steal from me in the past. And um, as far as booby trapping, that's a great idea. But I think it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's against all OSHA regulations, <laughs> so um, that you can't do. Um, you know, I think what happens is, is you know, there was a point, and there still is a point in the industry now where there's a lot of valuable animals out there, um, and it makes it very tempting for people to want to steal them. So, as Tim knows. Um, I've been underground for the last 10 years and I haven't told anybody where my facility is. I I use a P.O. box as an address, which is in like 10 towns over. Um, I mean, I don't, um, I don't publicize where I am. I don't have people to my facility and um, it's all for good reason. It's not like, um, it's not like I'm paranoid. I've been robbed a few times. So after the first time, you're not paranoid anymore. It it it, it happens. So, um, but I was stupid. Yeah. I, in the past, I used to let people come to my facility, which was at my home, and um, that was just foolish. And 
I figured, oh, well, you know, why not? It's a big deal. You can trust people. But then I learned real quickly that you can't trust everybody. So I just just keep it very, you know, underground. And I'm going to keep it that way forever. I'm not I'm not going to have it so that people come to my facility. There's no reason for them to come there when they can. I could take a picture with my iPhone and send them a picture instantly. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of requests, too, from people that want to see you know, see how I keep everything, and I don't know. I'd love to be able to just show everybody how I do things, but it's not smart. No, it's not. You're better off being uh, discreet about things. Um, it's just, uh, it's just safer. It's just like people who put on put on Facebook. Oh, I'm going on vacation this weekend. See you next month. <laughs> you know, I mean, how foolish. Yeah. How stupid. <laughs> And and you, and you could go on and you could see that every every single day, people, you know, right. people post that stuff and uh, and it's so to me it's just crazy. common sense, you know, it's just common sense. You, you you don't have you don't have screens on your windows. You have bars. You have an alarm system. You have a camera system. You 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 know you have to have all those things in place and just have peace of mind. You know, I, I think you guys should, be, it should be more important to mention that if you're going to have a commercial um, operation, you know, security is, is, is a given. I, I, I don't think that's something you, that we should sit and talk about, you know, security, because to me, any business, you walk by a business on the street and they have a roll down cage or they have an alarm system, you know, it, it's just plain and simple. That's, that's common sense. I think the one thing that a lot of people aren't aware of when they have when they're running a reptile business is um you know hurricanes, power outages, stuff like that. I mean, 2 years ago we had hurricane Sandy up here and I had no power for 3 weeks in my building. And I ran a gas-powered generator that I hardwired into the to the uh, electrical system to run the over the oil-fired heaters and a couple of the racks to keep the place going. But I had to fill that thing with gas every eight hours, three weeks. And um, wow. luckily luckily, I had a lot of gas cans on hand because you couldn't even buy a gas can that time. And um, yeah. I waited online every day for gas until I had enough. I was going through 15 gallons a day. And um, I did it. But, you know, that should be something that should be discussed. It's, it's You've got lives on your hands. You've got a whole collection of animals that if you have no power and it's and you live in the northeast where it gets cold, you can lose the entire business. So um, to me, those, those are, are even more important factors in running a commercial business. I, I mean, having a backup generator and having a backup backup generator, because the generator I had died. And I had, luckily, oh I had another one. So, I mean, I went through <laughs> hell and back that three weeks. And thank God I had, you know, friends and neighbors that helped me out with getting gasoline and stuff like that. If I didn't have that, I probably could have been in trouble. So, and I had wow. all of the precautionary measures in place, every one. And thank God they were there because I made it. But it could have been bad. You know, it could have been real bad. I'm sure there's horror stories out there of guys who had power outages and lost whole collections. Oh yeah, and and uh, the other thing that you can't, you know, even uh, mentioning that uh, Vin is at the time, you know, everyone was was uh, running on generator power for for weeks at a time, and uh, the lines at the gas stations and 
gas stations running out of gas. So, oh, yeah, uh, I waited, like I said, I waited on lines every day for hours sometimes, hours, 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 just to get gas. And I got lucky. I mean, I, I remember driving around seeing a, a gas truck, and I followed it right into a gas station where there was no lines. Got online, and they, it took them a half an hour to unload the the truck into the ground, and, and I filled up as many gas cans as I could. I mean, I got lucky so many times. One of my neighbors uh, knew a guy that owned a gas station, called me up one morning. He's like, Ben, talk, come with me. You're going to go get gas, you know? <laughs> if those little things didn't happen, I could have been in big trouble, you know? One, but you're right. Yeah. Nobody had gas. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, man, I had to fill the – filling the generator was the easy part. Getting the gas was the hard part. Yeah, you know, I, um, that, that storm. That storm was horrible. I lost my shore house in at the at, in Seaside, and then from there, it traveled east and knocked my power out in Pennsylvania, eighty miles. I mean, eighty miles west. I'm sorry, and I was without power for over a week here, and uh, I just happened to get lucky driving past the Home Depot that was selling generators because we didn't have a generator here, or else I would have been without heat for over a week with my animals. So that was crazy. That Katrina. I mean, that yeah. uh, Sandy, Sandy thing. I I was um, I went to work uh, the morning, the morning uh, after it passed through, or like the morning as it was uh, leaving the area, and um, and I had to work for uh, for twenty four hours straight, and then uh, you know I actually. Uh, the next morning, I got on the phone and I was calling up places to to find a generator, and I found a generator luckily, and uh, you know ran on that. But you know at the time I I was kind of all my animals and stuff were 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 pretty much all right with uh, without heat. Um, but uh, actually, one thing that I've been considering, I need to uh, to sell my generator and get a new one. And one thing I've been considering because of that storm is getting a generator that could run on gasoline or propane so that uh if it if something similar happens again I'll at least have another option to go to other than waiting on those gas lines. I yeah, well most, most generations most, most generators can be can be outfitted to handle natural gas most of them so. Yeah. There there's even like uh, a part you can buy. Yeah. Uh, I've got a generator on my home that is connected to the the gas line that comes into my house from the street. So that particular generator is also on a switch panel that as soon as the power goes out, it has a 10-second delay, and the switch panel turns the generator on automatically without me turning it on, and it runs my entire house. Um, but my commercial building where I keep my business doesn't have a gas connection, so I can't I can't do that, so I've got to physically run the the generator myself. Um, but that's hardwired into the system too. So you you've got to, you know, if if there was gas in my in the, the building that I was keeping my snakes at, I'd have the same exact setup there too, because then I wouldn't have to run over there and turn it on. Um, but th- there's a lot of things you can do, and then we learned a lot from that hurricane. And there was we had a practice run the year before with another hurricane, Hurricane Irene we had up here, and I didn't have power for about two weeks for that one, but it was in the end of the summer, and it wasn't that cold, so it was no big deal but um that sandy one was it was cold that week those three weeks it was cold, yeah, I remember that that's crazy man what would you what would you suggest for somebody living in an apartment 
and something like that happens. <sighs> Hang a generator out the window. Yeah, right? There's not really much you can do. <laughs> no, you'd have to run a generator out on the street and run electrical cords up to the up to the up to your apartment. Um yeah, there really isn't much you can do. Um or or but then from again, the roof. why does somebody in an apartment have that many reptiles? You move them out to somebody's place that has them, you know. I um yeah, yeah. during one of the storms a couple years ago, I uh I lost uh heat and, and power at my house. And I took all of my reptiles to uh, my girlfriend's place at the time because she had power. And, uh, you know, luckily um, I didn't lose anything. I didn't uh, have any animals get sick. But I was, I was shocked to see a, a banded gecko chasing a cricket. And the banded gecko, you know, must have been at, at 40 degrees for 24 hours at least and uh, was still chasing food around. And that's a colionix? Yes, the colionix yeah, variegatus. Those, those come from, the, you know, pretty much a temp, almost a temperate climate. They're from where Texas and... Yep, the and, southwest. You know, yeah, so it gets cold there, so they can handle it. You know, they, they they definitely can handle the cold, but... You know, I, I, was yeah, I, wasn't, I wasn't worried about them, you know, in terms of uh, them getting a, a respiratory infection or anything like that, but I, I just was shocked to see it actually chasing a cricket at that temperature. I, I was even more surprised during the the power outage. I mean, I had I had the generators running, the oil-fired heaters, and I set them at about 74, 72 degrees. So I kept the building in the low 70s. Um, and I had, a, I think, four or five ball pythons that were incubating their own eggs. Because what I do at the end of the year is when I start running out of space in the incubator, I may leave a clutch or two or three with the just with the females. So there was, I think, four females on eggs that whole three weeks, and I basically wrote those clutches off like, wow, they're not going to hatch. These snakes have been left at low 70s with no supplemental heat, like no heat tape on for three weeks, and it was near the end of their incubating um, the eggs. And I, I couldn't believe when I turned all the heat back on and a week or two or three went by, and those those clutches started hatching with no problems. I mean, the eggs hatched with the females still coiled on them, and they all hatched around 60 days. It wasn't like they took longer to hatch. I I was banking on the fact that they would have taken like another 10 days or so. Um, but they all, every single one of them hatched, and all the babies were fine. So. And and at the same time, Vin, you uh, while you're running around spending time, uh, you know, trying to track down gas and, and babysitting generators, you still have hungry snakes and snakes pooping and and rats and mice to clean and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I'm still running the business. I mean, there was no snakes pooping because it was too cold. There was no snakes eating because it was too cold. Um, so that that kind of was left on the back burner. But, yeah, I still had to manage all the, the rodents and, you know, I, I lost a lot of money that week, that's for sure. That that's um and I lost a lot of valuable time feeding the snakes because you know, that happened October twenty eighth, two years ago. So late October is when I start feeding all the all the snakes. So they lost three weeks of feeding and it kinda really screwed them up. I mean that that following 
uh, summer, I did horribly as far as uh, boa constrictor litters. I mean, I had hardly any compared to what I usually do. And um, did you did you notice uh, that it kind of uh, threw off the the boas more than the pythons? Definitely, the boas were way thrown off. But the ball python, if anything, it, they did better. I don't know why. I mean, <clears throat> oh, <laughs> it was amazing. It, it must have just really kicked them into gear. That that cool spell for three weeks, and all of a sudden, no, oh, the heat's back on again, and then. They started feeding, and bam, they all started developing eggs at the same time. So I kind of learned a lot from that, from that, you know, that one dilemma in that I I kind of try to copy that every year now where I give them a, a quick cool spell and then uh, then warm them up. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe it works every year. We'll try. I mean, this year I tried it a little bit, um, was a little cautious about it, but this year I may, I may try it again. But I won't do it with the boas, that's for sure. <laughs> so uh so during that time you had um all the all of your rack heaters were off? Off everything was off. I had I there was no way I could supply enough energy to to supply all of the heat tapes. The the generators were only I think a five thousand watt generator, so it could I I mean I probably have a lot more than that run in that whole place. So I mean my my building's pretty big. There's thousands of snakes in there. So my only option was to heat the entire space, keep that warm instead of trying to heat individual cages because one year one year I had a, a problem with electricity and I tried heating the entire all the all the electrical tapes in the place and what had happened was there was so much draw when they first came on that it blew the generator. So um, that's something you can't really do. We got to ground the generator good. Did you ground it? Oh, yeah, everything was grounded. You know what the problem was? The generator was probably a 3,500 or 4,000-watt generator, and I was turning on probably five, 6,000 watts at one time. So it just couldn't do it. It just couldn't yeah, handle it. capacity. Yeah, it, it was maxed yeah. out. Now, if it would work fine if I would turn them all on one at a time, and then they would then the the thermostats would level off after a while, and then turn another one on, then turn another one on. Then I can get it mm-hmm. going. But what would happen is if the generator ran out of gas and I wasn't there, an hour later or two hours later, I'd have to fill it up and go through the whole system again. So it was just yeah. un, it was just unrealistic. So then I just decided I'm going to hardwire. The, um, the oil-fired heaters to a generator, and that's it. And then that worked better because you're heating the entire building instead. I mean, they'll be fine. But they were all. I didn't lose any snakes. That amazingly enough, I didn't lose any snakes in that whole three weeks. <clears throat> they were all left in the, the mid 70s for three weeks. They were they were fine. They didn't, you know, they it didn't kill them. There was no respiratory infections or anything like that. So. I think uh, we're actually lucky up here, and you know, obviously, you know that didn't that didn't happen in the in the dead of winter, but um, but in, I think uh, people down south might even have more issues with the heat. I think um, if if there were people down there that had their facilities, you know, if they had a similar storm, and they had their facility, you know, and they were unable to keep it cool, um, I think they'd be. Uh, Losing animals a lot quicker if if their facilities you know got up over a hundred degrees or whatever. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, 
I know a friend down in Texas, South Texas, and he's got air conditioners running almost all year round down there because it's 100 degrees. I mean, and if it's 100 degrees outside, it's going to be, what, 110 in, in your in your sick room or something, you know? So, yeah, that that's, uh, you're right. Down south, if you don't have an air conditioner running, you, you could be even worse trouble. All right, Dave, you want to uh, go ahead and, and take the mid-show break, and we'll uh, be back in a few minutes. Sure, we can do that. Hang tight, folks. We will be right back. All right. Vin, are you good to uh, to stay on with us? Gecko Nation sure. Radio is a David Great. Fine Thank Gecko's you. creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making, known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his Leopard Gecko Care app, his Morph Encyclopedia app called Leopard Gecko Pro, and visit his site, LeopardGecko.com, to see where morphs are made. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.RainbowMealworms.net. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types. From white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. That's right, folks. We are back, and uh, we're going to go ahead and bring Tim, and we have our surprise guest, Mr. Vin Russo. All right, guys, you're back on the air. Everybody Can you me? hear me? We got you. Can you hear me? Here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Vin. Real quick, uh, Elsa wanted us to touch on uh, Tim. She wanted to touch on. Uh, I wanted us to touch on Jen Snows, and uh, I'll just comment on that. Uh, Jen Snows uh, are really my favorite to work with because they, they seem to be like the cleanest snows when they come out. They just look so clean. And uh, I've been working with the gem snows with the the bell albinos for a while, and to be able to use the gem snow to refine a morph and not create superforms, you know, that's the whole uh, point to it, really. And uh, 
So that's pretty much uh, why I use it. But um, there's a little bit of history with the Gem Snow. It was uh, first uh, developed by someone, Reptiles by Gem, I think it was called. Uh, Tim, do you know any about anything about the history with the gems? I do not. No. All right. Well, also we'll t- we'll get more information on the history of them, and uh, maybe we'll do a whole show about. It. But uh, go ahead, Tim. Let's jump back in with uh, Vin. Uh, Vin, just keeping uh, with the theme of uh, emergency preparedness. Um, any uh, any other things that you learned? Uh, you know that that you've uh, de- you know kind of been prepared for over the years? Hmm. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, but I, 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 I definitely agree with what you said. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's it's just like kids. You got to be prepared for the unexpected, you know. <laughs> no, uh, definitely. You need to be prepared. And like I said, if you're going to have a generator, have two of them. I don't think one is enough because, you know, again, I'm repeating myself. I, I went through that hurricane. I went through three generators. I went through the one on my on my house ended up dying, and and um, you know midstream and that was just on my home and I had another one to back up that I used for that and then the the generator I had on my business um, from running it you know for weeks straight changing the oil every couple of days it still died and I ended up you know luckily I had another one for there so I had a backup for for both places um, so I don't I really don't think one generator is enough especially if you have, you know, like I have a large business that, that your your life, your livelihood depends on. You you can't just have one $500 generator sitting in your garage waiting. I would recommend two. Um, always have a backup for your backup. You can't, you can never, it, it's, it's worth every dime. You can never be too cautious about it. So, and um, have a lot of gas cans around, that's for sure, especially if you're going to be, Filling it with gas like I was. I think I had six five-gallon gas cans. I still have them, obviously. And I think I even bought another one or two after the storm just to have on hand. But other than that, just be prepared and because um, anything can happen. And if you have thousands of dollars invested in your reptiles, even just your pets, I mean, it's not even so much the investment part of it, your pet part of it. You know, who wants to lose all their pets because they didn't have a generator that to keep the place warm. Yeah, or even just a, a, you know, even if you have just a few animals, just, um, you know, have yeah. uh, some travel containers ready to go and, and keep in mind wherever, you know, wherever yeah. you're planning on going for the storm, your, uh, you know, maybe some, some heat pads or heat cables to uh, to take with you or some uh, heat packs um, yep. and Here's just kind of being extended. For, yeah, for leopard geckos, this is what I would suggest, folks, and for small snakes and stuff, if you can put them in little deli cups inside of a cooler and use a heat pack, you can heat the whole cooler with a little heat pack. And, uh, you know, those animals will be fine in deli cups for at least a couple weeks, God forbid, if they had to be, right? I mean, you know? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, even even at one one point, um, this was a couple years ago, um, during that that hurricane... um, well, this is more than a couple of years ago. This is um, back in the 80s. There was a hurricane called Hurricane Gloria. <clears throat> and um, I had my snakes in a warehouse, a warehouse back then. My brother and I had a wholesale business. And 
we were renting a big space and we didn't have a generator because this was, again, it was the 80s, and there weren't even a lot of generators around back then. We never even thought of it. But um, <clears throat> we didn't have electricity for, for a, a, at least a day, and I remember saying to my brother, this place is getting cold. we got to do something. And I made a um, I made a, a fireplace out of a 55-gallon drum, like a, like a wood-burning stove out of a 55-gallon drum, and I piped it, I piped it out a window. So I literally made it on the spot. It was an old 55-gallon drum laying around the back of the building and took it in and we cut it up and cut a door cut a door in the front of it, put a put a chimney out outside and started burning wood and then we heated up the space and luckily we didn't we only had electricity off for a couple of days, but we even did I even did something like that. So I mean, it's a little it sounds a little barbaric, but it worked. You know. You just and, had to be uh, innovative. <laughs> Did you uh, did you stay there and you know did someone spend the night there? Yeah, oh yeah, I stayed when... there. <laughs> I stayed there the whole time. I slept there. And uh, did you also do that uh, when you were doing the generators uh, with the last storm? No, I, I figured out that um, each each gas tank got me about eight hours. So um, once I figured that out, um, I would fill it up at about you know eleven o'clock at night. And I'd be back the next morning at 7 a.m. and it would still be running, just just about ready to peter out. So I was able to sleep a little bit that that three weeks. So yeah, I'm I'm sure it was a, a very stressful time. Uh, at the same time, you know, you have your family and uh, your home oh, yeah. to worry about. Um, that took then, a couple uh, of years off my life. <laughs> <laughs> But now I'm sure your emergency preparedness is uh is so oh, well uh planned yeah, out I, that I could be on that T V show um with a uh, Doomsday Prepper. About, yeah, I'll be a doomsday prepper, yeah, I already did it. <laughs> <laughs> I it is, you know, it's pretty crazy, but uh just in the back of my mind I you know, you see that show and you know, I, I kind of had you know, have uh, worked through s- several hurricanes by now, and uh, you know, I've seen uh, other people's mistakes and um, learned from them. Hopefully, enough uh, not to make them again. But uh, you know, w- one thing I have in mind is uh, all the frozen rats and uh, and rats that I have in the garage uh, might be some uh, needed protein if if uh, if those people's uh, emergencies uh, ever come to light. Oh, I've got I've got a whole rabbit colony I could live off of for years. <laughs> me me personally, <laughs> I'll eat them. I'll eat my rabbits. I'll I'll feed them grass clippings and mulberry leaves, and I'll eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it. I know. Like, if I had to, I'll do it. I'll grow tomatoes, cucumbers, and maybe a couple <laughs> onions to cook with the Hassan pepper. <laughs> I've uh, I've often thought about it, like with insect eating reptiles what someone like me or you know even smaller collections would have to do to keep them alive and well you know you'd have to be able to get you know produce your own insects and food for the insects and yeah it, it's i don't know if, if a collection like that would survive doomsday well you know um i'm sure you guys both remember bert langerworth Yes, I Bert, do. Bert, Bert was a pioneer in reptile keeping, and he was also a, one of the most brilliant men I've ever met in my life. He spoke seven languages fluently. 
he was a college professor in um, in Holland, came to the United States and started a reptile breeding farm where nobody in their right minds ever thought that it could be done. And he did it basically on a shoestring budget. He, um, he made his own um, mealworms. He's probably the originator of the, the giant mealworms. I'm pretty sure he is. And he was growing them in a like a a, a root cellar in under a, a, a barn on, on his property, growing the mealworms. So there was no supplemental heat under there. The, the worms were generating their own heat. Now, he lived in in um, Tennessee where the, it gets pretty cold in the winter. It snows there. And he did not heat the animals at all. And all of the, the animals he bred were kept outdoors. He bred, he was the first guy to commercialize the, the black and white tegus and he harnessed the sun to heat them. He did not use electricity. So he created an entire ecosystem in order to his reptile business going. And he had no overhead, like literally zero overhead. He would get chickens from a chicken farm. Um, they're basically their dead chickens and feed his tegus those chickens. And he raised the mealworms to feed a bunch of other uh, reptiles he had. And he, he basically fed those mealworms garbage so it can be done if you're really smart you it can be done it, 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 i'm telling you it, the guy was the guy was amazing i and remember it's a, shame, it's a shame that he passed away but i learned volumes of information from this man yeah i, re- I remember him uh hearing uh him talk and uh and meeting him at, at daytona many years ago and uh i, I from what I understood, um, I don't know if I, I read an article in one of the magazines or just from uh, from him talking. Uh, he kind of had all you know all of his own cages set up. He made uh, even his his show displays he made out of aluminum. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. and had, you know and, and made everything himself. And his his cages at home were all you know south facing to to get as much sun. And and he would go and open the cages in the morning and, and close them in the evenings to, to keep the heat in o- overnight. And it was, uh, and obviously it worked. He was, uh, you know, a very um, good breeder of, of a lot of uh, cool lizards. Oh, yeah. The guy was amazing. And you're right. Everything faced south, got the perfect amount of sunlight in in the cages. And he even built um, underground um, hibernaculum so that the, the reptiles can hibernate underground and get away from the cold because, you know, a few feet underground, if you put a thermometer down there, it's 55 degrees, even if it's 10 degrees above ground. So the guy was just a genius. So, you know, it, it can be done. It, it, can, it can be done. You, if you if you have the ingenuity and the, the smarts, you can figure out a way of keeping your reptiles, you know, pretty pretty inexpensively. Solar heat, you know, you can get solar solar panels on your roof. I mean, there's a million things to do. One thing uh, I'm I'm trying to, I'm thinking about putting solar power on the house because my electric bill is like 300 a month. Yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. Solar panels work. The only problem with solar panels is they need um, they need a feed from your power authority to to get them running. So you still need that. The only way you could do it without the feed from your power station is to set up a bank of batteries. So that can be done too. Um, you know, my, my dream in life is to to say, you know, take care, you know, big city life, 
in big business. I'm moving mm-hmm. to the southwest. <clears throat> Going off the grid? Yeah, facing south on on um, on a bank of, you know, giant batteries and solar panels on the roof and heating up my own water and growing my own food and growing my own rabbits to feed myself and my snakes and just, just live off the grid. That would be the ultimate scenario. But can it be done? Yes. Do, do I have the, the – probably not. <laughs> what about the wife? <laughs> That's the whole thing. The wife, the family, everybody, <laughs> they're going to say, what, are you out of your mind, Swiss family <laughs> Robinson? We're not going anywhere. Uh, one thing I, I always consider, are... too, with a with a smaller colony, um, I have an inverter uh, for my car that I originally uh, bought um, f- to to be able to run my computer um, off of uh, the car's power, and it's just a, a a small thing that um, easily c- I could hook a, a thermostat and a, a heat cable or heat pads um, up to um, if I was, you know, say to to move my whole collection or move a large portion of my collection um, to to keep them warm while I'm driving, um, something that's quick and simple and and oh easy yeah, that's an, a- to, an AC get. converter. Yeah, an AC converter. They're, yeah, they're like thirty dollars at a radio shop. You it's funny, it my uh, cigarette lighter. I I left it uh, in a, in a buddy's car and he went tailgating uh, one time and and uh, the the people that he was tailgating with um, had had an inverter, you know, kind of a, a bigger, fancier one that they had a crock pot hooked up to, and the crock pot was, uh, you know, was too strong for their inverter, and it kept, you know, blowing the the fuse or the circuit breaker on it. So he's like, oh, I got I got a little one in my car, you know, that my friend left in there, that you know, and that was mine. And sure enough, he went over, threw it in their car, and it worked fine. So, uh, you know. Nice. It's so uh, it the same 500 watts. The same, <laughs> the same as uh, what you talked about earlier with the generator. Just uh, do do some quick math and uh, and make sure you're uh, you're not going to overload it. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> well, I'm thinking about putting putting the solar on my house. It's uh, they have these new things now where they'll put them on your house for free, and you got to you know pay them back, you know, with the power that you save. You know, yeah, they charge you per kilowatt. Um, yeah, I looked into that, too. They're, they're all, you know, all good methods. You just got to make sure that, uh, you know, if you're going to be living there for a long enough time that it's worth your worth your while to do. So, but yeah, solar heat is, is the way to go. It's the wave of the future, man. I mean, I've been to Europe many times for snake conventions, and, for example, in Germany, everybody's got solar panels on their roofs, even in Holland. I mean, they don't depend on um, on the utility companies. They generate their own. They're, almost everybody's off the grid there. So uh, that might happen here one day. Who knows? I think we're getting to that point, little by little. Yeah, definitely. Dave, do you is your do you have a part of your roof that's a good uh, south facing uh, that that you have a good south facing side for the for the panels? Yeah, I do, and I live in a community where a few people have already done it, and uh, I think it'll work out well. I really do. Um, got a big big portion of my roof that faces uh, south, so yeah, it's just a matter of getting them getting them to do it and making you know making the decision to do it, and. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like one of those steps where 
you know, you know it'll work, but it's it's so new, it's it's hard to take that plunge, you know. I don't know. So I gotta just say, all right, I'm gonna do it, and that's it. But I, I like talking to people that have done it already, because you know they're really confident about it. So I think it's good. I know, I know, I know some people uh, that have done it and and they're very happy with it and uh, they're the same kind of people that would make fun of me for driving a Prius, but um, <laughs> but uh, when they see how much money they save on their bill and and uh, figure out the math, um, but Vin, in terms of what you said, uh, I think it's also a great uh, selling point if you were to go uh, sell your house, even if you know the they they haven't paid for themselves yet. I think you'd be able to, uh, in this day and age, um, if you show, you know, the prospective buyers the your bills and uh, can prove that, you know, if they spend a little more on your house, it'll uh, it'll pay them back in the long run. Then you'll still uh, recover your investment. <clears throat> no, definitely. I, I looked into doing it for myself um, on my home. My business, I can't because I I lease the building, so I can't just put solar panels on on my business, which I wish I could, but I can't. But in my home, um, I looked into a few different ways. I looked into, um, you know, putting them up there myself, paying for the whole thing and getting the rebates from the local power authority. And that's still going to cost me, you know, close to 20 grand. Um, and the way I looked at it was, well, my electrical bills in my home are only about 200 bucks a month, so that would take me, um, you know, a few years to pay back, so to speak. Um, is it worth it? So I'm, I know I'm juggling that idea, and I know, and I know Rich Hume from the Herb Society is working on a deal where he got um, a similar scenario that you guys were just talking about, where they put the panels on your roof for free, and then you pay them per kilowatt hour, and it works out to be about half what you're paying already. A lease then, is that correct? Yes, yeah, a lease exactly. And then, and then what happens is if somebody were to buy your home, you can transfer the lease over to them. So there's lots of, you know, there's. I'm looking into it right now too, so I'm just trying to figure out what's going to be the best way for me, and whether or not I'm going to be here that long, and you know all that good stuff. So one yeah, one I mean, thing, one thing I do know uh, from the research that I did um, is that you know eight eight or nine years ago um, they were they they weren't as efficient as they are now, and the technology has improved um, so much that that their efficiency has doubled. And the and the price has you know been cut in half in the past about eight years, so um, if if you've looked into them in the past, uh, now would definitely be a time to look back into them because maybe um, you know that that payoff time or that you know payoff of the investment w- uh, is, is definitely uh, a lot quicker now than it than it was a few years ago. It, in addition to the to the rebates and uh, and other things that are going on, right. And keep in mind, if you do do it, generator won't do you any good um, as far as, you know, getting your your power back as far as the generated from the solar panels. You'd, uh, you'd have to have a whole other switch panel for your generator. So keep that in mind. Well, well wait a second. If there's, if there's a storm or something, um, wouldn't you... All right. Well, once the storm passes, wouldn't the solar still work for you? Wouldn't you still have power? No, you need you need the feed from the power authority in order for that solar to 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 work properly. <clears throat> like I said before, and if you wanted to do it without without that um, 
feed from the power authority, you'd have to set up a bank of batteries, which are very expensive. It's the only thing that's holding me back from doing it because the way I looked at it was, wow, I'll just do my own, you know, solar-generated heat and, uh, I mean, solar-generated electricity and I'll run my whole home. And if there's a power outage, I don't have to worry about it. But I talked to a guy that installs and he's like, no, you do have to worry about it because you need the feed from the, the power authority to, to get the thing running because everything works to and, and fro. So if it's the power coming in and you don't have any power, you're using the, the power authority's power. power. But when the, the sun's up, then it's reversing. You're using the power from the sun and you're kicking back the over over usage. So after all is said and done, you, you're even steven with the power authority or if anything, they may owe you a couple bucks. Um, but you need that feed into the house in order for that whole thing to run. So if there is a power outage, you have nothing. You have, you have nothing. You still got to use a generator, and you can't even tap it into your panel because if the if the power comes back on, you can blow up the whole thing. So you got to run an extension cords to things and do stuff like that. Well, that sucks. Now I'm not <laughs> a, an electrical engineer, but I'm I'm pretty sure the information I'm giving you is is pretty accurate. Um, but maybe yeah, we should and, get an electrical the whole, engineer. <laughs> the whole thing uh, that that it depends on is the battery technology. The, uh, as far as I know, um, and and what Vin's talking about is that the battery technology has not gotten to a point where it's cost effective to right. to giant, buy the batteries. Yeah, you need a yeah. giant bank of batteries. Like one guy was telling me, <clears throat> for my home, I'd need something like. 30 car batteries, you know, that, that's a lot of batteries. And they're not, they're not car batteries, they're different types of batteries, but the size of car batteries, 30 of them, bang, you know, lined up, all connected, just to hold enough juice overnight to, you know, then generate enough electricity the next day, so. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's as easy as it is. It can be done. Right, yeah, I so basically in that case, just... For you know, for during a, a storm, you know, you still have your uh, your generator, but uh, still, I'm sure uh, in in 20 or so years, you'd uh, still recover the cost of the solar panels, and it would still benefit you, you know, to run the to run the generator, you know, during those few and far between storms than it is to to not have oh, yeah. the solar panels Definitely. at all. How about or, a wind turbine? Yeah, wind wind generated electricity works works good too, but you need wind. If there's no wind you got nothing. Well, and I'm sure it would be the same situation as the solar panels where um you know, the inverter and everything needs to uh needs to be running on, on the grid to uh to run everything. You know, all of the all of the technology is, well, all of the technology is there and I don't want to get and sound like a downer, but our government is too too much in bed with the Middle East as far as oil production and buying and selling. And as long as that's happening, they're not going to put the time and energy into the wind and the solar energy for, for to power businesses and, and homes. They're going to depend on the, the power we're generating on oil. So until that starts to wane, which is starting to happen now because we're getting to the point where the the cost is too high for the oil, then we're going to start really putting in the energy for the solar energy. So we're starting to see it just now start. Like, like I said, in Europe, they're way ahead of us. You go to Europe and everybody's got a wind generator in their backyard, 
and uh, and solar panels on their roofs. Everybody, not just somebody, everybody. And they're they're generating some kind of electricity for their homes, and they're they're off the grid um, because over there uh, the cost of oil is exceeds what we pay here. So when we get to the point where we're not dependent on on oil for everything, that's when companies will start really putting in the time and energy to do the research and the the technical um, ways of creating smaller batteries to hold just as much power as bigger batteries, smaller solar panels that will generate just as much electricity as these big giant ones they have now. So when that happens, I'll bet you, you know, 30 years from now, there will be one giant panel on the top of your house and one battery in your basement, and it will run an entire house. But we're not there yet. It's just like cell phones. Cell phones in the 80s were, you know, the size of a lunchbox. Now it's, you know... Two inches across and fits in your pocket. So, and it's right. and it's pretty obvious when uh, you know the the regulations. I believe it's probably the same uh, across the country, but uh, in New York, uh, the when you when you get solar panels on your house, you can only uh, get enough to produce a hundred and five percent of uh, yeah, of the energy that your house uses. Yeah, they, they don't, don't want you making more than you have to sell exactly. it. Exactly, and yeah. at the same time, there's a, a law that the that the company, you know, that the, your power company in New York has to pay you, you know, if if your meter if runs you backwards and you and yeah. you produce that little bit more, um, but at the same time you can't just put twice as many panels and then make money because you'd be taking money out of their pocket. Yep, exactly. So but if you went off the grid, topic. But if you went totally off the grid, you you could do it. And if we keep going on that topic. We'll all be clippers. <laughs> oh man, it's funny. Well, I mean, at least we got some good information about, you know, disaster preparedness. I mean, I mean, worst case scenario, folks, you can. There are things you can do, even if you live in an apartment. Um, you know, heat packs. Keeping a good, good stash of heat packs on hand. A couple coolers. You know, you put your animals into brumation for a couple of weeks. You know, put them in a and the, cool them down, or well, I, I would say keep them warm in a cooler and put them in little deli cups is the best bet. Um, but even if you have like a big snake, uh, say you got a, a five foot or an eight foot boa that you got to keep warm for two weeks, can't you put them in a big pillowcase, put them in a cooler with one heat pack, and change the heat pack? That'll keep it eighty degrees at least, right? You know, hot hot water bottle if you can get hot water. I know um, during the hurricane, my um, my hot water heater was still working because it was it had a pilot light that was run on gas. So I still had hot water. So if you fill up hot water bottles and put them in a cooler with your snakes or your your reptiles, they'll easily stay warm for ten, twelve hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, if you live down south, then uh, you could do it with cold water. Yeah, if you got to keep your animals Things cool. Down. You know, just just don't give up. Keep going. Things we do for our animals, we suffer for these animals. We what do. I, uh, I I know I do. If if I'm traveling yeah. with uh, with just one or two geckos, I you know in the winter time, I don't uh, I don't even bother uh, getting fancy. I'll just uh, put them in my pocket, uh, you know, on the inside of a jacket pocket or something, and and do it that way. <laughs> I always use a cooler whenever I you know buy stuff. I always used to. 
Um, you know, to carry a little fanny pack, even one of those fanny pack coolers. Those are, you know, they hold like a six pack. You can, you know, put a few geckos in there. I used to, I, you know, it's funny when I when I was building my collection, I would be one of the only people, one of very few people that would be walking around a reptile show with a cooler in their hand, and. And I found that really surprising that nobody, and I see all these people walking out of the show with their animals in their hand, and it's 10 degrees out, coming out of the New York show, and I'm like, Jesus, people are stupid. But, yep. I don't know. It's just crazy. Then, uh, but, Vin, one other thing I wanted to uh, chat about tonight is um, how uh, how was your experience at the, the last Tinley show? Oh, it was nice. I like going out there. It's, um, you know, it's a different crowd. Um there's uh it's it's nice to see different faces. You go to White Plains you see the same a lot of the same faces over and over again. So yeah, it it's nice to go out there once a year and see some different people and talk about snakes with different people and yeah, there was there was a good crowd there. People were um were buying snakes and luckily people were buying some of my snakes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, I did okay, and uh, it was worth the trip, and I'll probably do it again. And are you uh, considering going out for the spring show next year? You know, I don't know. I, I think I t- talked about this once before. I don't like traveling a lot with snakes and, you know, doing the, the show circuit thing. So, And that's a far ride. I mean, it's like 900 miles or something like that. So, um and I tried I tried um, booking a flight there, but the problem <clears throat> that I came into was there was no direct flight from from New York, well at least from Long Island to um, to Midway Airport. Um, they all stopped over somewhere. Stopped over, you know, one was um, Ron Reagan Airport, one was um, down in. Um, Georgia stopped and then went up went up to to Chicago. Um, so th- the way I looked at it was, all the flights that I could get out of New York, I'd have to be out of my house by 5 a.m. to be at the airport at 7 or 8 for a flight at 9 or 10. And by the time uh, with all the the changeovers that I got to Midway, it'd be 5 or 6 o'clock at night. And then I looked at it. Well, if I drive, it, I'll get there in 13 hours. So. If I leave at 5 a.m., I'll be there by 6 p.m. And so I just decided I'll drive. Um, and then I could take more stuff with me, so it worked out a little better. And I took a took another friend with me to drive along, but um, it was like a last-minute thing. And um, so, yeah, I don't think I want to do that twice a year. Once a year I could do, but twice a year it's a little grueling, that, that drive. And what about you, Dave? Uh, are we going to see you out in Tinley next year? Uh, not as a vendor. It's too much for me to get all my stuff out there. And, but uh, I'd love to come take a ride and check it out. You know, that'd be awesome. I bet, uh, I bet you'd Prius. change your mind if you were driving a Toyota Prius. Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe <laughs> if you got room in the, in the Prius, so I'll, I'll hit your ride and I'll help chip in for gas. Not that you need it, but <laughs> <laughs> you need a little bit. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's just, it's, I'll pay for it's the just like the solar panels on your roof. You know, with the Prius, yeah. you need a little bit to get you started. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, all right, folks. Well, what do you say we wrap things up for tonight and uh, do it again next week? What do you guys think? 
Vin, thanks so much for uh for coming on uh last minute. Um we appreciate your your time and uh go ahead and, and give out your website and uh email address for everybody. Sure, cuttingedgeharp.com. Um and you can get me at Vin at cuttingedgeharp.com. That's my email. So then you can see me on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash cutting edge herp. And any uh, cool animals that you have available right now that you'd like to mention? Sure. I got some cool stuff on uh, on my Facebook. I've got um chondro or two left, some nice yellow ones. Um, I've got um, maybe one or two of my um, leopard boas left for the season and maybe one or two of my real nice Hypo bloods or even blood blood bow is left. So if anybody wants them, this this is it. This is the end of the season, and they'll be gone. And we got to wait till next year again. So and a um, mm-hmm. couple couple of maybe a surname boa left, a female, and maybe a, a couple of Peru boa female left here and there, and some more island boa stuff. I still have. I think I still have some uh, K Hawkers around. And but yeah. I, I try to update it regularly and put some pictures on there. I've been putting pictures from, you know, blast from the past pictures on there for people to see stuff from way back when. And I'm going to do that like once every week, you know, picture from the past. And, and every day I try to put in a new picture of something new and exciting. And it seems to be uh, getting some attention. So that's nice. It's uh, a new, a new venue for me to be working with that whole Facebook business page thing. It's nice. Great. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Vin. Uh, we appreciate you donating your time, and uh, we'll talk soon, all right? All right, man. Yeah, Vin, thanks a lot. All right, guys, thanks. Good night. All right. Wow, good show, Tim. Well, you know, on a whim, we put together something nice, and that was really uh, cool of Vin to stop by. Vin's got some of the nicest boas, really nice stuff, nicest snakes. Nicest and, boas. Uh, he's got, he's got uh, a lot of different nice stuff, Um Blue tongue skinks, ball pythons. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? And I just remembered. I want to talk to him about blood pythons, and I even uh, forgot that. Oh, he's into bloods too. Yeah, he's uh, he's got some blood pythons that he works with. Hmm. Interesting. I but um, that. I don't know why you didn't have faith in me when I told you. Uh, you know, don't worry about tonight. It's gonna go fine. Well, it's not always that, you know, I, I've done a show where nothing was planned, so I have complete faith in you from now on, and it worked out good. And and so. we uh, and we now have a, a, a good emergency preparedness show to uh, to refer everybody right. to. Right. I'm going to edit the title of this one and call it uh, Doomsday Prepping for Reptile Keepers. I think that will be a good title. What do you think? Yep. With with Vin Russo of Cutting Edge Herb. With Vin Russo, that's right. Yeah, we did good. And I appreciate the people that called in. Thanks, guys. And, uh, of course, all the folks in the chat room. You guys are awesome. Um, no, we did good. So what do we, uh, we'll wrap it up. All right, uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you go, Tim, and I'll go ahead and play the outro and come back with my closing remarks. All right, Thanks a lot, Dave. Have a good night. You too. Talk to you later, Tim. Bye. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. 
Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks, and uh just want to leave you with some closing remarks. I, I don't really have too much to say. I just want to uh, thank my new co-host, Tim, for helping. Uh, I've been able to carry the show uh, from the very beginning as the main host, and I think uh, Tim is bringing just a wealth of uh, not only experience, but uh, herp experience, but also just a, a lot a lot of good things to the show. He's got a really good ability. Uh, Tim is one of the best networking people that I've ever met. This guy knows everybody. Everybody likes him. He has been able to uh, just get a lot of great guests on the show, and um, I think he's adding a lot to the show. And uh, without Steve, uh, you know, things would be, I don't know, pretty boring. Steve's been doing a lot for the show, too, and um, I can't thank them both enough. So I like the direction that the show is going. I think it's growing at a nice and steady rate, and I think um, I think uh, what we're doing with the show is getting better and better. And uh, we welcome your uh, your suggestions. Okay, um, I can take criticism well too. If you guys have anything that you think we could do better, um, you're welcome to tell me. Um, I'll be happy to hear it, and uh, won't get mad at you as long as uh, you know you're not telling me I suck or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> I'm not a professional radio show host, and you know each time we do this, we get a little better. I think so. You know, it's all about being comfortable. Um, once you, there's a lot of people out there that are just afraid of public speaking and stuff like that. And I was always one of those people. But I made a decision to put myself in situations that make me feel uncomfortable so that I can get over it. And thank you, Gerard. But uh, in, in over two years in doing radio, um, I'm really comfortable doing it now. And you know, I'm not the best radio guy there is. And, you know, there's some people may not like uh, the style of show that we do and they may like a different show. That's cool, whatever you guys like. But uh, we're just going to keep doing, getting better, you know, than we were last week. And that's what I hope to keep doing. So uh really appreciate all the fans, all the listeners, and, of course, our great sponsors. So as far as our sponsors go, I just want to mention them. And I'm going to play a song at the end for everybody. Number one, Dale's Breed of Dragons. Dale's Breed of Dragons is now selling FlexWatt e-tape. So if you guys, they are the, actually the new master distributor on the East Coast for FlexWatt. So they just have to add it to their website, which I'm pressuring Mario to do. Uh, so, But if you guys need FlexWatt, 
you want to get it at a great price, message me or message Dale's Bearded Dragons on Facebook. Um, or I can put you in direct contact with Mario, the owner, and I'll help you out. Uh, you can order up to 500 feet from him. All right. Uh, abdragons.com, uh, get, uh, the best place to get your uh, Dubia roaches, folks. Use the code GECKO in, at checkout for 5% off your order. They have the best Dubia. They feed them highest quality foods and uh, just really good roaches for your insect-eating feeders. Uh, geckoboa.com, geckoboa reptiles, John Scarborough. Excellent guy, excellent breeder. Um, I got to tell you, I feel honored and privileged to be able to work with other great breeders that just are just good people and do the best at what they do. Uh, and I'm really happy, uh, you know, to be friends with John and, you know, to see his work uh, just evolving. Just awesome breeder. So check out geckoboa.com. Supreme Gecko, Wally Kern, another great breeder in the hobby, doing awesome work with Cresties and day geckos, micro geckos, all kinds of cool stuff. And he sells supplies and food, too, uh, if you need it. Check out SupremeGecko.com. OhioGecko.com is Bad Uncover. He's the guy that runs GeckoForums.net. And, uh, yeah, he's another great breeder, doing some amazing work, has some unique projects that are uh, completely original to his collection, like the Starburst Fat Tail. He's got some really reduced... Uh, uh, patterned snows too, which are cool. Check them out. OhioGecko.com and of course RainbowMealworms.net. We all love Jillian Spence. Jillian is the goddess of worms, as I call her, and uh, she definitely goes out of her way to help the reptile community and the gecko community in particular. It's just great. So check out RainbowMealworms.net and uh, mention Gecko Nation Radio. Maybe you'll get a good deal. Uh, Reptiles Express. Reptiles Express is by far the best, best, best company to use to get your FedEx labels. Not only are you going to get it at the best rates there are, but you can also get all your supplies. And if you're new to shipping, not only do they have the best customer service, but Debbie Price will teach you exactly how to ship your animals safely. Okay? It's not that hard. Um... And if you've never done it before, it can be a little nerve-wracking the first couple of times. But once you get the hang of it, it's it's like riding a bike. Really easy. Um, oh, I have a code for Reptiles Express. Anybody listening? The code is R-E-ROCKS. Okay? That can be a good discount. Uh, Ron Tremper, LeopardGecko.com. He's giving uh, free shipping, I believe, on a lot of his animals. Okay? Um, check him out. I think if you got to spend $100 or more, you get free shipping. And he's uh, running a nice sale right now. So he's got some really cool stuff. So check out LeopardGecko.com. Uh, GiantLeopardGecko.com. Keith Higgins is doing some great work. He's got some big giant uh, Diablo Blancos, nice fat tails. He's running a couple sales too right now. He's got some nice stuff. Premium Insect Chow. That is the stuff to use to gut load your feeders. You are what you eat, folks, and so are your insect eating reptiles to let them eat the most nutritious, let those insects eat the most nutritious food there is. That's MS2 Premier Insect Child. Last but not least, Daryl and Kate Burton from Longhorn Geckos, brand new breeder coming on the scene with some amazing genetics. Daryl has spared no expense and invested in the best of the best. So check them out on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos, and their website's coming soon. All right, folks, you all are awesome. 
I'm off the air for now. I think next week we have Leaping Leeches. We're going to talk about leeches. I think that's uh, the show for next week. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hope to all see you all there and uh, see you in the group. Don't forget, we got the auctions going on in Gecko Nation Marketplace, and that will be going on until Wednesday. It's not too late. If you have an animal you'd like to donate for the auction, message me on Facebook, and I'll put you in. Uh, if not, happy bidding, and I hope you guys uh, get something really nice at a good price with helping a uh, good cause for Christina's Animal Rescue. All right, everybody, here's a cool song to take us out. Until next time. <laughs>